Hey, what is up, everyone? And welcome to another edition of the Bash Bros Podcast. My name is Brad Nelson. And like always, I'm joined by my brother from another mother and co-host, Corey Baumeister. How's it going, bro? Bad, Brad. It's going bad? Yeah. Well, it's, it's going badly. It is going badly, bad, terrible, whatever you want to say, because normally, like every week, you know, I'm back on the podcast with you, but every year we've met up for Thanksgiving and we're not doing that tomorrow. And that's depressing. It is. And now, now that I think about it, our podcast is coming out on a holiday. You know, we could have probably planned around it, but hey. Hey, I mean, this has got to be what at least one or two people in the world is thankful for. So we got to go for our audience here. Yeah, and if there was ever a year for content to come out today, it would be the year that most people can't even see their family. So yeah, we understand no it, everyone. It sucks. You know, we're not able to see our family either. Yeah. It, um, hope Grab your turkey, still... listen to a podcast. It's going to be a great day regardless. Yes, yes, yes. And in, <laughs> fact, and in fact, it's a better day because this platform can be found on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Yep, I hit it. I, I transitioned well. Nice transition. That. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it feels better and just knowing we're at four places instead of just one. Now, so now you're ready I'm for the shill? Are you ready for the shill? Oh, I've been bored to shill. Let's do oh, it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And if you don't follow us, follow us on one of those platforms so you can get updates every time one of our new episodes goes live. Yeah. And if you don't follow us there, our special guests will find you. Yes. And they will ignore you. Yeah, they might stare at one of your walls, but that's about it. <laughs> Speaking of that, uh, this week we do have a very special guest. Um, we, you know, it's kind of it's it's a big surprise. Like whenever somebody blows <laughs> up on the scene, everyone you know scrabbles to get them to be part of their content, right? Yeah, like Crokies or or you know any any big streamers well, these days. Yeah, I, I do try to get in contact with Crokies, but he ghosts the fucking shit out of me. I'm not kidding. The guy actually yeah. ghosts me. Will not respond to anything that I've sent him. Yeah, but luckily we got somebody that statistically in the month of November is much more popular than Crokies, though. Yes, it, they are so. in fact the second fastest growing stream in the month of November 2020. And that is the one, the only Brian Braun doing. BBD, Woo. welcome to the Bastros podcast. How's it going? And congrats on your stat, your stat here, BBD. Yeah. COVID-19. Murder <laughs> hornets. Our environment destroying itself. The demise of American democracy in real time. There's a lot of negatives for 2020, but I got one positive for you. Twitch.tv slash MTG BBD is back, baby. Second fastest growing stream in the month of November 2020 in the year of our Lord. This, this is this is one of the most unbelievable feats I have ever witnessed. Thank um, you. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I'm so glad that we actually, that you took the time with, with, with your meteoric rise in, in the community Yeah, that, that you took the time to talk to us. Can we actually ask like, what is the secret to your success? Oh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad you asked because, you know, there's always people who strike it rich uh, through some very fortunate event that required no skill. And People never really get to ask them, you know, what's the secret of your success and learn from it. And so you guys taking that first step there, that's big. Uh, yeah. And I'm happy to tell you that the secret here, a couple secrets, actually. Uh, number one, 
uh, 10 minute delay. You want a 10 minute delay on your stream. Interesting. Really? Oh. I, I thought that like impacts your ability to interact with your audience. Like, oh, don't you talk to your audience. Number yeah. number two. Sometimes that's off, delayed for me. Yeah. You turn off the chat entirely. You don't allow people to chat. Oh, That's so number you just, two. Do you just speak to them like like a mode you, only, you, so or you don't, you don't answer them? You just you just speak at them. You yeah. don't speak at all. Actually, you mute all sound, both from uh, your computer itself, but also from your own microphone. Are you which, trying to do like different forms of sign language to get your yeah? Like I, I it's not no, adding no, up no, to no, me no, yet. No, I, I'm getting it. You have a lot of visual stimula stimulation. Like, what do you do every hour? while streaming to get that that many people to follow and and watch it must I be impressive at, yeah so what i do is i actually i look at my monitors uh, uh -huh. two, uh, two monitors i look at them and uh get information off of them uh for myself and that's 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 it but you, you must have some kind of entertainment for the viewers the entire hour that you stream, right? Or the entire session? Yeah, oh, like you're playing Magic, right? Because you were a Magic streamer pretty badly. successfully. Yeah, like, badly. Like, okay. You know, like you don't take any breaks or anything, right? Oh, no. I take a break every hour for about 15 to 20 minutes. Sometimes even longer, actually, if my match is fast. So, yeah. Oh, so, you, so you average one match or, uh, an hour? Well, I, pl I play exactly one match an hour, no more, no less. Uh, and then any period of time where I'm not playing a match, I've cut the stream. So okay, okay, okay. Right, hold, well, hold up, Brad. Brad, did did we get the right? Did we get the right person for this? I mean, no, this no, seems like did, a stream. We did in fact get the right person because you know okay. our our cast and crew wouldn't wouldn't steer us wrong here. Um, okay, yeah, okay. Look, right, I know this is well, unconventional. Hey, on your success, yeah, that, yeah that's it, impressive. I, it, I just don't visualize the the concept. Oh, yeah, but, that's because yeah. there's no visualization. There's no visual aids. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the next step. You don't provide any visual entertainment. Um, cool. uh, yeah, like I know it's unconventional. Like it's it's not for everyone, but you know that's what you got to do to be the second fastest growing stream in the month of November for 2020. Wow, December wow, 2020. Man. Like I don't want to say, hey, just you know, I. Who am I to say what it'll take to get there in December of 2020? I can tell you what it takes to get there in November of 2020. So God, I hope for <laughs> I hope for Christmas I get BBD up to the first fastest growing stream. Do, do you yeah. think Christmas is going to come early, BBD, or are you are you going to slow down, or what's the plan? I think it's going to come on December 25th, Corey. Thank you for really? asking. Yes. Really? Okay. Okay. Yes, A month from today. Interesting. Um, oh, oh do, you, do you know something else that comes December 25th? The new um, Wonder Woman movie. Mm. Oh. And I've, I've got a treat for you too, Brian. I've already pre-ordered it. Guess what comes out on December 15th? Uh, Come on, you can get there. You can, you can get there in one guess. It's a pre-order and it's something, it's, it's one of the only things besides World of Warcraft that I think you've been excited about in 2020. <laughs> Assassin's Creed Valhalla. <laughs> it's a movie that I pre-ordered. Oh, oh, is it? Uh, it would you could would it involve uh any various tenants? Tenants? Uh, at least one. Interesting. Yes. Yes. Then, yes. yes. Yeah, I am hmm. excited about that. I've been really badly wanting to see that movie. What is this movie? It's a movie that was supposed to come out right before COVID. 
Okay. And um, it's like some weird time travel y, like, it's kind of like a. Uh, uh, visually, I think it's going to be very similar to um, Maybe I, think it's, I think it's Inception meets uh, Time Manipulation. No, I was going to well, say that, it's like that... it's it's like Inception meets Mission Impossible. Yeah, oh. that's, that's good. That's yeah. kind of what it looks like. Also, and... Inception manipulates time as well. So it's just Inception directed by Michael Bay. Got it. <laughs> no, so it's, isn't, it, isn't it Nolan who directed this? Or I, I think mistaken? so, yeah. yeah. Oh, God. You know, it's a, it looks like a very good movie. I mean, there, there's there been quite a few movies that have come out this year. This year's actually been very good for content. I like looking back. Um, there's been for different some, shows some, and movies. I agree, actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I still still for the love of God. And if if anyone out there has been feeling a little sluggish or miserable lately or just feeling the the drain of this year, please, even if you have to purchase it, uh, Apple TV Plus or whatever, or find it. Just mm-hmm. watch Ted Lasso. I it is it it's like it's like if you get COVID and can't taste anything for two weeks and then you can finally taste something again. Like it is the <laughs> most refreshing, good feeling, well acted TV show that I've seen in a long time. Every episode makes me feel good. Okay, uh, and we watched it. We watched it episodic, you know, once a week. Because yeah. as it came out, so maybe grinding it, it'll lose a little bit of that. Because it was like you know how when I think every show kind of loses something like that when you just jam them out. Yeah, but that show was a delight and it was refreshing. It's it's like it was it was it's it's like a it's like cracking open a crisp cold can of Diet Pepsi. Yes, that one was me. Hey, I was finally ready. That's great. <laughs> yes. And no, that sounds interesting though. I think I'll check that out. I've been uh I've been in need of of things to watch. Luckily for me, I think Hulu was always my favorite, but they have live right sports. When, yeah, they do have live sports. But it was right when COVID hit, there were no like new shows coming out. And, and, you know, it was just, you know, summer, so most shows come out during the winter, but new stuff is finally starting to come out, and it just feels good. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the next year is going to look like uh, with, like, recording and stuff, but we're finally yeah. getting some of the movies that we wanted right around COVID to come out, like mm. Tenet, and which, which all this blew my mind because, like, the Trolls movie was so successful. World tour uh, or whatever. Yeah, the world on. tour that I felt like more shows should movies should come out. But there's been a few that have like come out for free on so, HBO or Netflix mm-hmm. or whatever. If Trolls, you know, if Trolls World World Tour was that successful, we should make Trolls too. <laughs> yeah, we should. We should definitely <laughs> make Trolls too. Wait, BBD, I thought that was your stream. It's the second fastest growing stream. Yeah, it's a troll, so it's two. Come on, the, the pieces are there. Y'all still have to see Birdemic. My God, that movie! I need to rewatch it again. <laughs> see, that- I can't. I can't watch those shows that are very much supposed to be over the top stupid. No, I, I- no, 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 no. Troll Two, The Room, and Birdemic. The reason that these are endearing movies is that they were not intentionally made to be bad. They were just that so much. They love, just were bad. Yeah. So much love was put into these <laughs> movies. They these people cared so deeply about these movies. Um, yeah, it's just that they were bad, but they were so bad that they went to actually being into a good metric. Like, because I I don't know how to explain it. Like, yeah, I I really yeah. hate the so bad that it's good thing. Like that stuff Same. does not appeal to me at all. However, Same. I did enjoy the room. 
Oh, Trolls God. two less so. However, the the um the oh my god line was worth yeah. the entire watch. So I think I think you would you would appreciate Birdemic for a few reasons, and I can't spoil okay. them unless you'd ever want to. Well, Brian, I think Brian would like Birdemic because it's the writing. The writing just fucking gets you because it's like <laughs> it's like the writing was put through a simulator, but the simulator <laughs> didn't even get enough you know like you it's just google it. translate but it wasn't given all the information Pr- pretty much <laughs> it's just like oh wow you're a supermodel so you must make a lot of money yeah i do make a lot of money a hundred thousand a month wow that's a lot of money like it's so <laughs> bad it's like what are you two talking about the first the movie's called birdemic it's about birds killing people and the first 45 minutes is just people walking and talking and walking and talking to the point where i thought people were trolling you nothing actually happens in this movie like literally <laughs> nothing except these terribly written characters like you know the simulation episode of rick and morty yes that like when for jerry's experience in that episode uh-huh. that's what the movie felt like it's like <laughs> well Brad, like how else are you gonna know what it's about 10 percent <laughs> how what else are you how are you gonna know what it's about if people aren't talking and telling yeah, you the they, plot. They needed, they needed 50 minutes to, uh, you know, explain the setup, you know, that much like the introduction of every Bash Bros podcast. Yeah. Yes. Well, backstory. Yes. See, I'm of the opinion, this is maybe controversial here, but I'm of the opinion that backstory is better than the story itself in the vast majority of media. Okay. But here's, here's the question hmm. for you, Brian. Okay. But Backstory is only good if that backstory is relevant to the conclusion plus climax of a of, of entertainment, right? Uh yeah. If it if yeah, it if this, it carries, this, yeah. Like think about a zombie movie where the first fifty minutes is backstory and then the zombie apocalypse starts and none of it's relevant. Well, what about Holy Moly? That, so that backstories like- on all those people were never relevant to the <laughs> show. That was still hilarious. Even true. That was the best part of that show too. But yeah, no. So your hypothetical zombie example, it sounds like it's fifty minutes of a good movie, and then the rest of it sucks. <laughs> I mean, I might be biased because I don't really like zombie movies, but well, I'm just thinking of an, an, an apocalyptic event, like yeah, back, back, like it makes sense for like a movie, you know, like Day After Tomorrow, where it's like the backstory is these scientists that have a broken life, and then these scientists know what to do during the during what's happening, right? That makes sense. Yeah. So that backstory pertains to the story. This mm-hmm. is just a bunch of people. And then shit goes down and they're all just incapable. Like, it's like real life, in all honesty. It's just a bunch of shitty conversations. And then, <laughs> and then something bad happens and no one's trained for the situation. <laughs> and, and everything we've done, like, you know, if, if, if some apocalyptic event happens, I can't just go out into the world and be like, but I took second in the mythic championship. <laughs> you know, no, I'm, I'm like going to be the first to die. I'm going to run up a block and then I'm going to gain too much momentum because of my weight and I'm going to fall to the ground and get eaten alive. Like that's what's going to happen. But the main thing that matters is but what's your gain story before you do that. If you've gained momentum, how could you lose? Cause you have the momentum. That means yeah. you're ahead in the game. You know, like yeah, I don't that's get a it. high tempo play, bro. That's yeah. a high tempo play. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Should we talk some magic? Let's do it. 
All yeah, right. we, we, we could actually get into an actual conversation. Now, this is the second fastest declining podcast in the month of November. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brad, I am right before you get into this, you know, you're saying how shows are still doing well, but clearly streams are not doing that well. If BBD's once a month stream <laughs> is the second fastest growing stream. That's the joke here, y'all. I don't know if anybody saw our tweet is BBD was just announced whoa, the whoa, whoa, second. What joke? what joke are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. what what joke? Yeah, Corey? Just, just cut this now. <laughs> <laughs> John, Never mind, John, it's all John, true. Roll the BCW ad. Roll the BCW yeah. ad. <laughs> just right over my voice. Run it. Yes. Yeah. All right. Or right, just right. in the background of the ad, like, well, the thing is, is that BBD only streamed once and he was forced <laughs> to do cut. so. And yeah. cut. <laughs> okay, I, I, right. I, am, I will explain it, though, just so people know what's going on. So I, I streamed once last month uh, and it was for the. Uh, Zendikar League play. League play. That's what it is. MPL yeah. Rivals League play. Zendikar MPL mm-hmm. Rivals League play. And the purpose of me streaming was not to stream to an audience. It was to videotape the matches for uh, people to go back and watch later or in case any kind of dispute arises. Mm-hmm. So you know, I had to turn off interaction. I had to stream with a just delay that so that there was no <laughs> tournament integrity problems, you know, like that was all part of it. But somehow all the followers that I already had on Twitch got flagged as being new followers. So whatever <laughs> algorithm like that, whatever website uses to determine like, you know, what streams are doing well, thought that my entire follower count was all new followers from this month. So they l- listed me as the second fastest growing stream. And, and, and month honestly, of November. When, and honestly, when you look at it that way, it's pretty sad that you weren't the first fastest growing stream. It is. You it got is. All I got, your followers from I got your entire 12, streaming thousand followers <laughs> in one month, and I wasn't even the fastest growing magic stream. But yeah, yeah it was, gaming uh, got you. Yeah. Who, who was it? It was crude gaming. I don't, I don't know what that is, but they must have started like a tournament series or something up. Or, uh, or, or, or they actually also it's bugged. It could have. They could have. Yeah, the same thing could have happened to them too. That happened to me. Yeah, I'm I don't assuming. know. Crokies was high on the list too, so I don't think any of it was true. So, but yeah. I, I just love that I streamed to like twelve people. No chat. No interaction. Never said a word. I well, actually, I did occasionally say some shit, but. Yeah, yeah. And I just I don't know that to me that's awesome. But. Yeah, and I was literally only looking at those stats because a sponsorship wanted to know just like your your stats, you know. So I was looking at that and I just stumbled upon seeing BBD up at the top, and I <laughs> uh, I thought it was so funny, I almost fell off my chair. So yeah, Corey Corey is to Corey is to blame for this. He he has discovered it. <laughs> All right, bro. What do we got for upcoming events? Okay, good, good. I'm glad that we can actually get into this because. Yes. Last week, Andrea turned Andrea Mangucci, uh, you know, a previous host of the Pastros podcast, said they yeah. turned the podcast off after 23 minutes of not knowing what the topic was. Mm-hmm. And now we're about to hit 20 minutes, so we better get in there before we have three you know, minutes before yeah, before we lose them. Three before minutes. we lose specifically Andrea. Okay, so I want to tell no. a story from my childhood no. first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead, bro. Okay, all right. So 
before we get into today's topic, uh, I just want to quick run down a few awesome upcoming events on MTG Melee. For those of you who don't know, we are the official podcast of MTG Melee, a tournament online um, software Shit, I should have a spiel for the own company, the own the yeah. company I fucking own. And Brad, uh, come on, it's the online tournament software here, not not it is a, the yeah, it is it is the online the Magic Online tournament software. Uh, it runs right. tournaments daily and great tool. And if you are interested in playing any Magic tournaments this weekend, uh, here's a few that are awesome. So we're gonna kick things off with the Mythic Society is running their muted Arena Community Cup. Uh, standard fifteen hundred dollars in prizes on Sunday. Uh, starting this Friday <coughs> is the Star City Games uh, third road to the Keldime Championship qualifier. There's five thousand dollars on the line, but also twelve eleven players uh, will end up uh, qualifying for the Keldime qualifier the next months. But the winner of the weekend will automatically qualify for the the call time. God, I'm saying it differently each time. Call down. Oh my God! Yes, yes, Brad. Did you? Didn't I tell you about this? I ran the yeah. promo video for it. I said we, cold we ham last Heim. week on the podcast. Oh my God, dude! I had to. <laughs> I, it was probably like 50 outtakes of it. I could not get it. So yeah. that, that makes me feel good. Yeah. So, just think of it as two different words. Called Heim. Yeah. Called Heim. Yes. I just kept saying cold ham. So. Yeah, and so so <laughs> the winner of the the weekend. We'll get qualified for the Caldime Championship. And how you play is there's eight uh, flights starting Friday, four of them, and Saturday, four of them. If you go 4-2 or better, you'll get qualified for the championship on Sunday. And based on your record in your uh, your flight, you might even get some buys. Uh, great yep. tournament series that we've already had a few or a couple of this, I think, believe is the third one. This is standard. Now on Sunday yep. also, the MTG Arena Zone is back with their 19th subreddit uh, tournament. This is just a fun community-driven tournament, a lot of pride. So if you are in the MTG Arena Zone subreddit, uh, get in there and play in that tournament. Uh, great community to run. All right, I'm ready to introduce today's topic, and I'm kind of Let's excited it. about it. Um, so... Honestly, one of my favorite con magic content produ producers of 2020 uh, goes to Yoman5. Uh, yeah, you can follow love Yoman. Yeah, at, at Yoman underscore five. Now, Yoman does a weekly article for magic.tcgplayer.com. And sometimes they do these like metagame uh, analysis and they always have, they, they link their tweet out with like a notepad but it's the formula I love. I think that this is one of the best formulas for content production. Uh, if I get back into the content game, uh, I'm probably going to do something very similar. I mean, what what is that saying? Like uh, mimicry or not mimicry? Uh, something oh, about you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the sincerest form of flattery. Yeah, yeah mimicry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, um, so I'm going to steal that shit, but we're going to steal it today. <laughs> and and I thought, you know, you know, I would have had our casting crew try to reach out to Yo Man 5, but they gave us BBD. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, honestly, with a stat they like that, the that we were to. They couldn't, yeah. find a, they couldn't find him on social media, forgot the underscore. So. <laughs> but all right, yeah, so Honestly, one last thing about Yeoman has made me and Ross's job so much easier when it comes to a set release. Just post like, you know, 40 lists or whatever on uh, his Twitter account. And we, we eat that shit up for ideas. So shout out to Yeoman for uh, releases as well. 
yeah, I, uh, I, I definitely take a look at those decks. Um, so that, that started, I think with like a challenge that the arena deckless podcast back, uh, originally called game podcast, they would mm-hmm. have for, for people. And I think there are some good things about that, but I also think building 50 decks right at the beginning, um, you're looking, I've always thought you're looking for the core archetypes and like yo man really believes that too. So like you're, you're not looking to build 50 complete deck lists. Mm-hmm. That, that all interact with a metagame you're just yeah. trying to find all of the core engines yeah um, it's all about ideas that helps yeah, so much when it comes to that yeah, yeah. something that michael majors was really good at doing as yep. well I, so yeah, I, I think majors sure. majors was probably the best i've ever seen at that he was yeah, for, sure. for sure yeah sorry yo man five you know but <laughs> majors here yeah thanks for letting us take your ideas now we're just gonna say majors here does it better <laughs> No, we're just totally no, kidding. You can, go, you can go check out Yo Man on Twitter, and then you'll see the tweets that I'm referring to, and also yep. their their articles. But so what they do uh, is they list <laughs> off what what are the decks to beat, what decks people will play but shouldn't, what decks sh- that should be respected but won't, and then what they would play in a tournament. Um, okay. And so I want to use this formula this week for standard and historic because I've started to prep do my preparation for uh, the Zendikar Championship. As well as uh, there's been a lot of tournaments on MTG Melee, and I've been sifting through all of the results, mm-hmm. and I'm getting a good idea of where I think the metagames are going. Because yeah, I can't really build and tune my decks until I understand where I think the metagames are going to be. Um, sure. And decklists yep. are due this weekend, uh, so so you know I've got to get that in and all that. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to start off with standard, and I, for standard, we're just going to go off of Yo Man's list and talk about what we agree and disagree with. Sure. And then for Historic, I've built a list that you all can disagree with because uh, their content was standard. So Yo Man's list for everyone that uh, is interested. Decks to beat, Gruel Agro, Demir Control, Mono Green Food, Teamer Ramp. Do we have any agrees yep. or disagrees on that or should I list off the rest? I mean, I honestly, it, it feels crazy to me to not put uh, rogues up there anymore. Just unless we're grouping in Demir Control with that, but it just seems like that deck was so good for so long that it it just feels to, weird to me that it's fallen off that much that people don't think it's one of the decks to beat. I mean, I'll, I'll say that I'm skeptical of Demir Control being better than Demir Rogues, but I could I could definitely be wrong there. Mm-hmm. So I, I could see both, you know. Um, yeah, I think I think when it, it it comes down to the content, I think decks to beat are like the best decks that are also played by a lot of people. Now there's not a right. true algorithm to figure this out, but you know, Gruel, Demir Control, Mono Green Food, and Demir Ramp all have been trending upwards in metagame share as yep. Demir Rogues has been trending down. And um and and part of that is, you know, this 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 I consider a winner's metagame. At least Demir Control, mm-hmm. Mono Green Food, and Demir Ramp. I consider them winner's metagame. Because two weeks ago, we had a lot of Rogues and Gruul, and these are the yeah. three decks that I think actually can fight both of them without mm-hmm. just getting brutalized by one of them. Sure. So I, I want to ask one question uh, to you guys. What do you think makes Demir Control like better right now? Like What kind of matches? Or it, it, it just doesn't add up to me, to be honest. Uh, I mean, I can answer. I've been playing this deck. I, I mm-hmm. you know... So if you look at how the metagame's forming, like there's something um, common. So of the four decks we listed, Team Ramp, Mono Green Food, Gruul Agro, and Demir, if you just look at the three green decks, 
They yeah. all have something in common. They play really fucking expensive cards that aren't good against control. They okay. Play, they play the Great Henge, Ember Cleave, um, you know, like these Wicked Wolves and these ramp I mean, variations and, and uh, Genesis Ultimatums. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Great Henge has to be... I, I, like, the Great Henge is great against control, just hard to get into play. And stay yeah. in play, yeah. But it, yeah, unbeatable I mean, if it resolves, because they can't even Ugin it most of the time. But yeah, hard to actually resolve, because they're either going to eliminate Lovestruck Beast or just have a counterspell for the Henge itself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it, and, that, and, and it's also that, like, uh, the Great Henge is good, but yes, it's difficult to get into play. <laughs> And it's also that all of these green-based decks also want to play cards like Vivian and and all of these, which and also Lovestruck Beast too. So negates are actually fine in these matchups. You can just have negates in your deck, and because they don't hit hard, Gruul actually mm. doesn't hit that hard if you just pick off the landfall creatures. Um, they, yeah, that know, makes you, sense. You have a lot of time. It's the big spells that that swing the games. And so if you have enough targeted removal and enough ways to interact with the creatures, having a negate, like, it's it's good. Usually negate's not good against uh, creature decks, but it's good right now because the Great Henge is so good in these green mirror matches, and they all play it. Yeah, the Henge is definitely the aggro mirror breaker. So I don't I don't know if this is a template we want to follow, but if where would we structure the deck to beat out of those four, do we think? Is it Demir? Because Demir does seem good. If it's good against the green decks, because naturally counter spells are good against the ramp decks, uh, and and that's why even Team of Ramp has always struggled against rogues. But is that just the top deck now? Well, I don't know if we have to list off the top deck. I don't even think this format. I think this format's healthy enough to not even worry about that because yeah, like some of the matchups are close. The reason Team of Ramp is good right now, and why that it's the it's this uh, adventure Team or uh, you know Genesis Ultimatum variant. Yeah. Um, and the reason this deck is good is because uh, it actually competes with Gruul and Mono Green um, on a uh, pretty well in the sense that you pick off some of the early stuff. You've got Brazen Borrowers to have these huge tempo swings against cards like the Great Edge <laughs> or Love Struck Beast or what have Ember Cleave. And yep. then you go over the top of them with ultimatums in your own henges. And you also have these five fives, you know, Love Struck Beast as defensive elements. Um, mm-hmm. And so these decks actually handle themselves pretty well. And then after sideboard, like if you every single teamer deck has like 14 or not 14, like 11 cards that are good against Demir. And so they yeah. and they have enough adventure stuff that they they can take out their ramp package and look like a deck. Like an adventure deck. Yeah. And so, I mean, deck, so are you know? people not playing like Clothis Ox of Agonis anymore? Um, no, they are. If you like, like there, there's Clothuses and the sideboards and Ox is the so, weird one for the ramp deck. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm, I have, I'm asking because I, I, I'm curious. How does, how does the blue control deck beat those cards? How does blue control beat, beat Clothus and Ox? Yeah. Uh, like Clothus seems like a tough one. I guess so. I mean, it has to resolve and, you know, you have Ashax, you have Brazen Bars, you have Ugins, maybe ex- extra Ugins. Like, I have, I mean, I have to play more with Demir, but I have been winning a lot with it. And from the people I've talked to, that the reason I got onto it is because their records are really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Ox uh, doesn't seem like too big of a problem because you're not milling, right? But, like, you're but, not enabling it. 
Yeah, I don't want to get too focused on Demir because this is on the decks to beat, but it's mm-hmm. not and it's not as established as the other three archetypes. The other three archetypes are established in the metagame as good decks. Demir mm-hmm. is like the trending upwards deck right now. Yeah. And and it has not been exposed to targeted hate. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that makes sense. That's the one that that's why I focus like all my questions at that, because the other ones make sense. Yeah, the um, other Yeah. Yeah. Sa- same. Like that's the it's sad to me that we don't have a Yorian deck up there, but then you look at these decks, these decks to beat, and you just look like Team Ramp destroys Yorian, Demir Control destroys Yorian, and then, you know, the other two are, like, close and stuff. So it, it's sad to not see a Yorian deck there, but it really does make sense. Yeah, it it, it is wild. Um, you know, Mono Green is just a, a good deck in this format, and mm-hmm. I, I I do think it's a little on the, like, I don't know if it's a deck that I want to play. I actually, um, I'm talking to Cedric, uh, and I think we're going to try to do a test session tonight of blue-black versus, versus green just to see, or him play mono-green and I play the other. We might stream it mm-hmm. um, because he's he's high on mono-green and, and we're both not testing with anyone, and I want to see that matchup because I want to know if I'm supposed to play green because it feels medium when I play it, but mm-hmm. if I'm not playing something specifically good against it, I get annihilated. Um, I feel like I feel like Teamer has got to be pretty good. I mean, it is. Yeah. I mean, but but Teamer also has the problem of like you're like the the reality of Teamer is you're a green red deck splashing Genesis Ultimatum that costs triple blue. So sometimes mm-hmm. you just don't have triple blue, but when you have seven mana, yeah, sure, it happens. I've I've uh, yeah. quite frequently actually. Um, you know, if you don't have a cultivate or or a beanstalk and you just play a normal game, it's really difficult to have the exact mana you need. And it is uh, pretty easy to have green mana in your mono green deck, believe it or not. So I could see uh, I could see that being pretty good. Yeah, and and the other mana bases are just better. So sometimes you just mm-hmm. like fall on your own. What is it? Fall on your own petard. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that it? Hoisted right? by your own petard. Hoisted by your own petard. Falling on your face. Yeah, there we go. Um, and so, so it, it, you know, and, and the reason why Demir is having coming into this metagame is because these decks, if you look at them, they're very focused on themselves. There's a lot of creature removal and a lot of cards Mm -hmm. that that won't matter. Even the other Demir decks, like, like, uh, Demir rogues is playing a lot of domination's main to be able to compete with these green strategies. Mm -hmm. And, And, you know, so game one, you have a lot of dead cards, and whereas Demir does not really have any dead cards in in those matchups. So one thing yeah. you said was that this green deck competes with rogues. I, that was not my experience when I was playing rogues. I don't know. Like, did I say the green? No, no, no. I said that they they don't have abysmal matchups. So, so a lot of decks like sure. like like a, a, a Yorion deck, like Azurus Yorion, has an above average Gruel matchup and an abysmal Demir matchup. Right. Yeah. These these decks have an above average matchup in one of the matchups and are only slightly behind. They're mm. just I mean, better two like, decks for these matchups. I felt like Rogues was pretty far ahead against Mono Green. Like my, like Gruel, I thought was a, a little bit ahead against Rogue. It just depended on the builds of the various decks, but mm-hmm. Mono Green I thought was pretty far behind against Rogues. But maybe I I don't know. Maybe things have changed since when I was playing and, those and, matchups. And maybe you have to play against like higher skilled players. I mean, I played um, against it in the in the league play. Yeah, I would tend to agree with you as well, Dizzle. I mean, I just play. Oh wow, hang on, sorry. 
Um, I would tend to agree with you as well, just because I played like Bant Yorian, and it shares a lot of elements of the green food deck. And, you know, it, it, it was a struggle. It was definitely a struggle. I mean, it's I just, don't think we can. I, yeah. That's apples and oranges to me, because one of the yeah. things this deck can do that yours can't is it can just sack three foods and put a troll into play and then bring a great engine to play for two mana. That's like, a good point. Yeah, yeah that, that would just never seem like a game breaking play, though. Like I, I would like my opponent would put a troll into play and then I would pay six mana and steal it. And then the game was over. Like, well, how many matches did you play against Mono Green with Tamir? I don't know, five, six, maybe. I, I also played it in the league play thing. I, I like to me, that was my best matchup as as uh, with rogues, I felt. And he is the second fastest growing streamer in the month of November. <laughs> that's, true. that's true. I mean, I, I, yeah, I know that's small sample size and it might not have been against, like I did, uh, you know, might not have been against the highest competition for all those matches, but yeah, like to me, that was a matchup I was actively hoping to get as a rogues player. Oh yeah. I mean, it is a good matchup. I'm not arguing that it's not a good matchup. I'm just saying that like, these are the decks that are forming that don't have abysmal matchups one way or the other. I'm talking abysmal as in like, like mono red versus mono green, for example. Mono red has an abysmal matchup against mono green. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's, it's just like, like 60 40 or something. Or worse. I mean, I think Demir, yeah. I think Demir mono green is closer to 60 40. That's what I, I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I think mono red versus mono green is potentially worse. Anyways, we're getting into the semantics of it. Uh, uh, maybe we should just move on we're to the next, the weeds, the yeah. next one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the decks that Yoban put uh, on the shouldn't play, I agree with all of them wholeheartedly, which is Esper Doom, Monored Agro, and Rakdos Midrange. Um, I think that these decks are all like, Esper Doom was very good at f- focusing on when it could just focus on Demir and Gruul. But now that the format has opened up to a few other strategies, including those that play Genesis Ultimatum, mm-hmm. um, and even Mono Green Food can throw can dump a lot of permanence early. And, yeah, I would think. Uh, yeah, I would think the Asper Doom uh, food matchup is another one that would be favored, but close. But then when you look at the new decks like Demir Control, which plays Ugins at the top end as well as a bunch of counter spells. And then, yeah, Team of Ramp, which has been just notoriously good against Yorian decks. As much as it pains me to agree, I do think Esper Doom is a huge trap right now. Um, and I, don't, I, I haven't really thought the other two decks were even that good, even though Rakdos had no. that one weekend that was exciting. But yeah, you know, like, yeah, I think Rakdos is atrociously bad. Like, yeah, I don't know how else to put it like. And I think Esper Doom is is like a probably the most fun deck in the format. Mm, and definitely. I think it is definitely a competitive strategy. But yeah, like I I got burned pretty hard with Yorion and try even past that point, like I was trying to make those decks work. And I don't know. I just I, I think they're just not quite there. Like Yeah, I think people will play it though. I don't think people are really gonna play Mono Red or Rakdos, but I would expect Esper to show up. I mean Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Not not saying it's gonna be correct, but I would expect people to probably submit it here. I mean this is why decks people will play but shut it, you know. I do expect all I I expect all three of them. Well, Rakdos the least. Mono red, people just play it and it's not good, (laughs) but people still just like register it. Yeah, when Lovestruck es- Beast is just in every deck, let's yeah. just jam mono red. <laughs> Great Hengen, Lovestruck Beast, yeah. Esper <laughs> yeah. Doom, um, I think actually did 
didn't do that bad at the last uh, weekend of week of like MPL Rivals League play. No, so like, that was that was before Team Ramp and Mono Green yeah. became popular. Oh yeah, like I I I'm just saying that it has a little bit of a better history there. Like I could I could could conceive of people adjusting their list and and maybe doing pretty I, well with it. But I do too. That's the one thing. Like Esper Doom can't change too much because it has to play to the battlefield to an extent to make the card, you know, Doom foretold good. But right. I mean there is those like six, seven flex slots that, you know, were just spot removal to deal with gruel and uh rogues because they that was the only things that were just good against both of them. And maybe there's some combination of uh eight flex slots that improves Demir and Team of Ramps matchups, but I wouldn't uh I wouldn't be holding my breath too much for this event. Yeah, I'm just taking a look at something real quick. Uh yeah, like Esper Doom has been lowering in numbers and having medium results over over the course. I mean, I do like mm-hmm. the deck, but I've never really wanted to play it because I do feel like it can it feels like the kind of deck that can only strategically attack like two decks. Yeah, it, it feels yeah. like a trap to me as well, which yeah. it pains mm-hmm. me to say that because I love Yorion, but... Yeah. All right, oh, moving yeah. on, moving on, you to <laughs> moving on from Yeoman's <laughs> list, they have decks people would should respect but won't, and I do agree with this. It, the only deck on the list is Demir Rogues, and it has. It has been lowering in playability, um, so people are starting to change their decks around, and you know that's the time that a deck like that would strike again. Mm-hmm. Maybe just like the complete 16 creature all in proactive Demir Rogues deck when other people are trying to beat these big spells again. I totally agree. It could sneak under the radar. It's such a yeah. powerful strategy and has mm-hmm. proven itself time and time again. Um, I don't think it has quite the power or consistency of like a Gruul aggro deck, but it, yeah, mm-hmm. I'd be very surprised if. I mean, mm-hmm. because there's so many different ways that you can build Rogues, like. It's hard for me to imagine that it can't just adjust to the current metagame and still be a reasonable top tier choice. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I don't think standard, you know, with the exception of Demir Control and Teamer Ramp, um, you know, is going to look too much different. I mean, I guess, as I say, that mono green food is pretty new as well. <laughs> so that's just, you know, a large chunk of it. But I don't know. I, I still feel like it's not going to be that much different from that from like the grand finals or the Mythic Invitational. But we'll see. Yeah, it, it. I mean, I. That's the that's the weird thing for Demir is there are so many ways to build it, um, and that's where I struggle when I play with the deck because mm-hmm. the Lurus versions are the best in the the, the mirrors, um, or even against like blue black Demir in general. Yeah. But I have found that the versions that don't play Lurus and that play Zarathan or whatever, Zarathan, Zarathan, mm-hmm. yeah. Zarathan um is is much stronger against his green decks because like when you're able to actually like get them it's so backbreaking like I've had you know a troll in play on turn four yeah you know I just I just bounced their thing smacked them with a brazen bar flip it into to ninjutsu them and put a seven six into play and they they're just going to you know they can cast a wicked wolf yeah it's like good luck you know like the it's so powerful um and so I have it seems like that's just the best version though too to me as of right now it might be but I still don't know how to build it because I don't know how many Gadwicks are supposed to have in it some people play none some play some and um it's it's kind of a difficult deck to continuously keep playing and learn from in my opinion 
because there are, well, there's things that I've just learned. I've learned how you have to win the mirrors and what, what gives you the advantage in the mirrors, but against other decks, like sometimes it's just how you draw, like a gruel deck drawing poorly versus a gruel deck drawing really well against the hand that you've drawn. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, no card that you chose to put in your deck or how you've whatever from the demir side is going to change some of those games. Yeah. Like it's just how things sometimes line up. So it's been very difficult for me to, to find the best. Cause also sometimes when you play demir, you just have bad draws. Like if they kill the rogue, that's going to enable some stuff or the crab, then you have a bunch of cards that aren't, aren't actually castable in your hand and then they can curve out and, you know, things go haywire. So I have, mm -hmm. I have found that the consistency of deploying, the same game plan over and over again to be very challenging with this deck. Whereas for the other decks, I feel like um, it, it, it's a little easier to deploy your game plan and turn your deck around that. Does that make a lot of sense? I'm curious yeah. which version is actually better against mono green. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I don't actually know if the Xerath sand version would be better. I mean, I, I don't have the experience. I'm genuinely asking. Because like I, I was playing this the like sixteen creature version and I thought that that matchup was so good like and, and a lot but a lot of it was because with all the mind control cards and you know so many enablers to get that many cards in the graveyard stealing a stealing a feasting troll king felt like a given every single game. Well, also um, back yeah. when we were playing it, the format has evolved. Um, Look at if you look at the deck list. We're looking at uh, Piroki. We have their deck list up. They uh, yeah, I see. I see Witch's Oven now, which is yeah, a big changer. Yeah, yeah. they mm -hmm. they play Witch's Oven for plays like that. Yeah, I mean that that's a big difference for sure. Yeah, I do think Brazen Bar though is got to just be a huge upgrade in these matchups compared to just the crabs. Like tempoing out the play four drop green haymakers on your turn seems pretty good. Yeah, or just having a really clean way of like triggering stuff. You know, you have interaction. Mm -hmm. Also, when you know it's really powerful sometimes to use the brazen bar to get the Zerasad into play, and then have petty theft again. Yeah, yeah. Just just the play of turn two petty theft, your three drop, whatever it is, or even trail of crumbs. Turn three, play brazen bar. Turn four, ninjutsu it back, and then have brazen. That sequence with just two cards seems unreal good in that matchup. And in a lot of matchups. Yeah, the, the Zerastan build, just to bring up another trick, uh, it, it has my favorite play in standard, which is, let's say you have an empty board and you just have, well, you have um, exactly uh, Thieves Guild Enforcer. Okay. And, uh, they, and you attack with it, it's unblocked. If you have five mana, you can cheat in the rogue, but the, how the rogue works is it's a trigger, right? Zerastan is a trigger. So you return... Um, Thieves, Guild, Thieves Guild Enforcer to your hand and both of them are in your mm -hmm. hand with a trigger on the stack and then you recast the Enforcer and then you get that trigger again and, and you get double trigger. Oh, so, wow. so you get four <laughs> more bites at the apple. Yeah. Wow. And and the odds you don't get a permanent even if they had well, Stone Cold nothing there. You yeah, know. exactly. But yeah, you just yeah. get four more bites at the apple and uh, trying to hit something really big, big-brained. Um, that's oh, just that's one spicy. of my favorite. Yeah, that's just one of my favorite plays. Uh, it feels so clean. But anyway, uh, finally, we get to Yoman's uh, what they'd play, and that is Gruel Agro. Now, I'm actually going to go. I did not take a look. Uh, I just want to go take a look at the specific list to see if it's close to what mine is. I have my list down here mm -hmm. that y'all can take a look at. This is what I've been playing with. You would uh, you would submit Gruel right now? 
I don't know if I would submit girl. I've just been tuning all of my decks, right? Oh, sure, sure, sure. God, you know, honestly, out of just looking at all this stuff, rogues seems like something that I would be interested in if I was really focusing on testing here. Just uh, the last list we have with Zerasan and Brazing Borrower. That just seems really good to me right now, even though I normally don't play those style of decks. But without Yorian, I'm a lost kid at a at a mall, so I basically just have to try to pick up new toys and hope for the best. Yeah. I'm not super big on the random counter spells, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, in regards to your list, Brad, like, can you briefly explain why uh, Scorching Dragonfire... Oh, you do have okay. Sorry, I thought that was scorching dragon fire. Like, what's the difference between dragon fire and fire prophecy? Like, why do you have a split? You know, like, what's oh, the well, what, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, uh, fire prophecy is way better in the mirrors and against other decks, just for the fact that uh, other green decks because you can sculpt your hands in game one. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do that. I played scorching dragon fires in the last split, and it, and it pissed me off, and I, I failed. Right. I remember seeing your tweet. <laughs> yeah, but I, I play the Scorching Dragonfire on the sideboard because your plans are going to be a little more focused after sideboard. You don't, and it's not even as important. And the Scorching Dragonfire um, is just an upgrade to Fire Prophecy, in my opinion, against like rogues. Um, just being able to exile a creature here and there uh, can help you. Like, like just for Adadims and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Just, just. Okay. Just to stop that. And also, I don't bring in the third against the mirror anymore. And so, um, unless I'm on the draw and it's not that big of a difference. And mm-hmm. usually when you're on the draw, your scavengers are worse than your opponents anyway. So sometimes that'll have an effect. But yeah, that's why I just have a Scorching Dragon, one Scorching Dragon for the Cyborg and two Fire Prophecy main. Fair enough. So, Brian, what would be the what you'd play? Um... I mean, I would personally play play rogues just because I'm comfortable with it. But mm-hmm. I would be if if you're asking what I'd play in terms of what I think the best deck is, I would be hesitant to say that that's rogues. Would you be playing the Zerasan version as well, or leaning on that? Um, I'm not sure. Like, okay. I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I I like that. Um, it has a way better Gruel matchup because I felt like the other version was behind against Gruel. Mm-hmm. So if yeah, I felt like is, I couldn't win a post board game to save my life ever from the rogue side, it was tough. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think if, if gruel is still, uh, you know, public enemy number one, then yeah, I think you think you got to be playing the Zara sand version. Uh, but if the format is looking like some of these, like some of these other lists, then who knows? So I don't, I you know, that's the good thing. I don't think gruel is, um, enemy number one anymore it hasn't been in any of the tournaments mono green and teamer have in fact been taking over number one and number two it had a heinous couple of weekends like yeah, sub 50 percent win rate for the first time i've seen in so long yeah it's because it's because two of gruel's worst matchups are mono green and teamer like yeah. team, teamer it's, just, it's getting super with. preyed on yeah 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 even the even the esper doomless were literally you know, sculpted so they could beat Gruel and basically nothing else, you know, a couple weeks ago here when Gruel was just expected to be 45% of the metagame at each given tournament. Yeah. Te- and so, Teamer deck, Teamer deck, we didn't really talk about much. Teamer deck looks really sweet, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked a little bit, but yeah, it's just Teamer Adventures with, you know, the the ramp. It 
the the reason that I like this deck is because all the other team of ramp builds had things above Genesis Ultimatum, and it 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 meant that when your ramp strategy was bad, you could not board everything out about from it. Yeah. Mm. Um, but these newer builds just can turn into like a lower proactive mid-range game after sideboard by taking out, you know, I've I've taken out all all but one Terror of the Peaks. Because uh, if you bring in the Vivian, no matter how many numbers of Vivians you have in your deck, you always have to keep one Terror of the Peaks just because if you ever are able to do the Beanstalk Giant play, you just like win the game. Yeah. Uh, and for those who don't know, it's like you just have a Vivian in play and you have a Beanstalk on Adventure and you just minus two, cast the Beanstalk, put Terror of the Peaks into play, shoot whatever with a Beanstalk. It's really fucking good. Yeah, um, that's pretty nice. That is pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the new builds of this deck I've I've been liking. So this deck originate originally didn't have Kazandu Mammoth. Um and it was more playing like uh whatever what's the spike spike hazard? Spike shot yeah. hazard. Spike field hazard, yep. Yeah, it was playing that and like that's cute with your Oboshes, but like the truth is Obosh is is not that powerful, but it is a free roll for a deck like this, and a deck like this doesn't mm-hmm. mind the free roll. Uh yeah. Because you, because the 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 twos and threes that you play, like again, you know, remember when we talked about Obosh that adventure creatures cheat it, and so this deck is exploiting that once again. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, the only cards you really would want to play are like not even that great, which are you know, a Crone Wars and Scorching Dragon Fires or what have you. They're they're not mm-hmm. that great. They could help in the Debir matchups, but um, yeah, I think it's like Lotus Cobra is the biggest hit. In the main well, deck, at they least. They but... haven't been playing that for a long time. Well, since Obosh. Oh. Before Obosh, they were definitely playing it. Oh, were they? I don't... Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Okay, I forgot, man. I mm-hmm. the, the, <laughs> Like... Oh, like every time I think of Lotus Curve, I think of Omnoth, so I don't remember. Yeah, you're you're once. forgiven. It's it's yeah, it's been that kind of a year. Totally no understand. Kidding. No kidding. I do All feel right. like playing Obosh means you you lose out on like cards like Negate, which seem pretty strong. But I don't yeah. want to get into the weeds with it. So fair. The problem with Negate though is like counter spells with an adventure package and a ramp package never are that good because you kind of you never want to hold holding up mana is a waste. Um, and not being able to proactively use that mana, like I, I, uh, I that's why think... that's why you can hold up negate and then stomp on them. Woo! Because that is the most powerful play in Magic. Yes, it <laughs> <Instead>. is. Yes, <laughs> it is. Two damage. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Corey, what what deck would you pick? What's your deck to play? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think I would just try to start practicing with this Demir Rogues list with Sarah Sanon and Brazen Borrower. It seems like with just everything so clunky that that kind of direction of it seemed, seemed sweet to me, and I was never really a fan of the mill creatures anyways. Okay, yeah, I, I must have missed that you you uh, you actually told us your answer. For yeah, me, all good. For me, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to either play Teamer, Demir, or... Uh, mono green, but I need some more testing with all three of them. I've narrowed it down to that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have been burned by Gruel now. I'm, I'm sufficiently burned by it. I don't want to play it anymore. So moving yes. on. Yeah, yeah. Team I feel you on that. Teamer or rogues for me, and that's final answer. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, rogues uh, was not so great for you the last few weeks, huh, bro? Uh, 
Well, Rogues, I only played for that one tournament, and then I took a break. And I still think Rogues is good, but knowing mm-hmm. my skill sets, I think I should play one of the others. And I have liked Blue Black Control, which is weird for me to say, and I'll probably play it enough to not like it. Yeah. But it has felt pretty good on the ladder. That's why I'm going to do some targeting testing here before deck submission. Well, it makes sense. When a metagame gets this focused, you know, control decks do have a chance to rise. So it, it makes sense. Yeah. All right. But now let's go to historic and my list. Let's do now. it. Again, thanks, yo man, for this, uh, this structure. I built my own for historic. Let's see if you agree. Now, I'm assuming that, you know, since mm-hmm. we're going to take you, you're probably listening because um, <laughs> everyone wants to hear their own voice. I do every time if I, you know, but he's control. not going to. He's not going to hear his own voice. He's going to hear our horrible voices. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So here is my list. I historic is a much bigger format, but I also think that there are less uh, great decks to play. So my decks to beat is actually very low. It is Mm -hmm. Jun Sacrifice, Four Color Midrange, and Azorius Auras. Um, Okay. Okay. Interesting. I'm pretty shocked that you wouldn't have goblins even on there. I know goblins when it's targeted and it and it has had like bad weekends, but it still seems like one of the decks to beat because that is like the go to aggressive deck for people that like that. And it's insanely powerful. I, I think I'd still have that and have Azorius Auras out of that list because I do think that deck is so one dimensional that I think it's pretty easy to beat. But I think that's whoa, the only whoa, argument I'd have deck, with those. Decks, again, decks to beat are the decks that are going to be most played that you should focus on. Yeah, and I... I you, you just don't those, think Azorius Auras is going to be highly played in, in a metagame? Not more than Goblins, no, I don't. Okay, that, that is fair. That is fair. Um, yeah. I mean, I do think that, you know, I think that these are like the cream of the crop. Now, for me, Mono Red Goblins, I think I'm going to say it... I'm going to lump Mono Red Goblins in with Azorius Control... For one reason, I think these are two decks. Very similar decks. I agree. Well, I think that these are two (laughs) strategies that people are focused on because and and for different reasons. Goblins people are focused on because they know it's a large sample, a large sample of the metagame share and Mm -hmm. and and that you have to do very specific things to beat them. So we're seeing more witches oven, you know, the four Aether Gusts, like a lot of decks. If you look at them, they they care about it. Every Sultai deck that yeah. has Languish over Extinction Event in the main deck is caring about Goblins. They're still playing Aethergust well, sure. main, even though there's other decks that it's not good against. They're not playing a bunch of Negates in the main. They're playing Disdainful Strokes um, because, because Disdainful Stroke can also deal with a Muxus. You know, you don't have a dead yep. card. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like these Sacrifice decks, they have which is Vengeance in the sideboards and stuff like that. And so, like, yeah. I think that people are focused on goblins. And now the reason I bring up Azorius Control, it's a weird one. If you just, if you pay attention to how decks are built, almost everyone has a plan for Azorius Control, even though it's a very, Control is a very small sample of this metagame. And mm-hmm. it's, it's doesn't have the greatest results. Some results are good, some are medium. Azorius Control is handling its own business. But even though like, Less than 10% of a metagame is a control strategy in Historic. Mm -hmm. Everyone's just conditioned by now for deck building in this format is to not sacrifice that matchup because you just have to at least take out, make sure all your removal can be pushed out and you have enough proactive elements or disruption to put in because it feels bad to have to keep a dead card in against against a control matchup. And because all the other removal and 
elements are kind of interchangeable in other matchups. Most decks have room for this. Um, mm -hmm. So Azur's Control just is has a wide variety of decks to focus on, and all of them have a game plan for it. And See, yeah, I, I one thing about Azuria's Control, I wanted that deck to be good so badly because there's nothing that feels better than going getting into the trials on three when they can't attack it down, emblem, and then just packed. Packed a negation that turn is just insane. But I have just found, I've just had such bad experiences uh, with Azorius Control that I think even Demir Control is a much better deck than Azorius. Yeah, I, I think all, I think Demir, I think Azorius is better than Demir. I don't even think that you have to build your Azorius decks around Pact and Gideon. Mm -hmm. um, I think, I think that's, that's better if you don't actually. Yeah, I agree. I I, I don't like. I think that. it's just too cute. It's yeah. just gimmicky. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. And Demir Control, I don't think is better than Soltai or Four Color Midrange. Like you're totally literally right. you're literally just playing a deck and choosing not to play Uro. Yeah. You're, like you're just you're like, choosing not to play them. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think the only thing you gain from Demir against those decks is you just play for Narset. You just, you know, I think Narset right now is at an unbelievable place because Sultai is so big that any deck that could support it, I think could be a good deck. Um, but that's that does not translate to, you know, helping you out against Jun Sacrifice and Goblins and stuff like that. It's yeah. for specifically now, I feel, Euro decks. I feel like our know. special guest was going to chime in before he was rudely interrupted. So, so, so special guest I was going to ask, I was going <laughs> to ask why uh, Kethis combo didn't make decks people will play but shouldn't. <laughs> no, because BBD already submitted. <laughs> see, people? see, Bradley. Might do you see people? why I interrupted? Do you see why I interrupted him now? Because I knew he was just going to talk about Kethis. I was just trying to save us some time. But thanks, Brad. Yeah, Corey was like the the good guy here that like gets misunderstood and taken to be the bad guy like early in the movie that could have saved all the drama that would later happen. Exactly. Yep. Yep. You shut me down. Yeah. So, so one thing I do want to, there's a few things I want to chime in on. Uh, I don't want to go on too long of a rant, but I actually have Sultai as decks people will play, but shouldn't. Um, and I do agree that Sultai midrange is better than four color in the mirror, but it's kind of, you know, slightly because the, like, it, you it's know, literally but, three cards and well, a mana base, also, right? Yeah. The mana base is, does have an effect on it, but it's also in a matchup where, the important both decks still have all the important cards and they're so important that they mm -hmm. usually like power through any of the the other situational cards um but one thing to keep in mind that you know four color midrange the reason that the deck's so good is because yasharn is good against you know sacrifice elements it can stop goblins from being able to turbo out a muxus it can stop jun sacrifice and racto sacrifice in their it, you know right away but one thing that i've been starting to see a trend of and i actually started it before i saw it when i was testing and now i'm seeing everyone else following suit is um putting chandra torch of defiance in these decks because for two reasons it can kill your shard which is great it's just a powerful magic card in general but mm -hmm. um chandra is one of the easiest ways to ramp to a bolsa citadel against mid-range decks and so you can like play mm -hmm. the chandra and then get minimal effect out of it the turn you play it, but the next turn you can wrap to a bowl as a citadel. And yeah. you can do so without, if you have three swamps, you can do so without, without having already played your land too. Ooh. Which is an yes. added value. Yes, yes. And yeah, you can do it without that as long as you have enough like dual lands. Now, mm -hmm. Jund, 
Jund has less dual lands to be able to 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 get those out pretty cleanly. Yeah, um, and Rakdos doesn't play Citadel, right? Well, Rakdos has it in the sideboard. Yeah. Oh, it does. Okay. Some builds. I didn't know there were still playing I think, those. I yeah. think the best builds of Rakdos do have some mix of Chandra's and Bolsa Citadel somewhere in them. Um, yeah, I did I, just see a Lavinga list that was playing two Chandras in the Rakdos sacrifice list, and it looked good. Ooh, I want to see that. You should send that to me. I have missed it. Yeah, sure. It, it was just on our break today, so he just tweeted it out, but yeah. Um, okay, yeah, I'll just take a look at, at their social media after, after this, mm -hmm. but yeah. Uh, I do think that Rakdos, though, just for me, it feels worse than Jund just because it doesn't have the powerful elements and it gets exploited by the same things. Mm -hmm. um, I think Rakdos is worse than Jund. Um, I think so too. Yeah, and uh, and I found that to be the case in my playtesting as well, especially when I'm playing Soul Tide X and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so that's something. It's that just the mana bases are so unreal good in this format that there's no real reason to play two colors when you get that extra power level immediately. So I agree. Yeah, it's it's you know you you're a little bit more aggressive, which I don't even think is that great of a thing because when you're up against these matchups, like Scrappy Scrounger is going to be good against mid range, but like. Do you really want that in your deck when you're playing against like Jun or sorry, when you're playing against like Azurius Auras or, you know, yeah. goblins or what have you? I just feel like it's it's not that great in that side of the metagame. It's, you're just going to get overpowered. Or even when you're playing Dreadhorde Butcher and people are still going to bring in Aether Gusts against you to protect their Uro and stuff. It, it just doesn't seem like a card. Those kind of cards don't seem at the same power level as the synergies with Trail of Crumbs. Um, and other stuff like that. Yeah, being able to go big, uh, I think, is is very important for these decks. Now, I did Agreed. post a, a list of decks that people play. Again, there's so many, but I do think that decks people will play but shouldn't are Sultai Midrange, Monored Goblins, Azurus Control, Rakdos Sacrifice, Colorless Ramp, Rakdos uh, Arcanist, and Monored Agro slash Burn. Mm -hmm. um, these are all decks that I think make up a large chunk of the metagame, but that are just fundamentally weaker than uh, the previous decks. And I have Soltai Midrange there, and maybe I'm a little wrong there, but I do think that four-color midrange has been performing better than Soltai Midrange. I've seen that. And it's and such a minor change, too. Like, such minor differences between you're, the you're all, you're, you're adding You're adding what uh, what us in the professional business like to call fuck you cards to your deck. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. Yeah, and, and, and what a fuck you card is, is a powerful <laughs> card that if it sticks on the battlefield, the opponent can't, can't interact or play magic. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. man, I love those cards. Like, <laughs> anytime you can add fuck you cards here, it's just such a beautiful thing. Yeah, Core Firewalker, Graph Digger's Cage, these are fuck you I'm, cards. I've Absolutely. always been a huge <laughs> proponent of playing those cards, and it, maybe not so much in Standard, because Standard is usually a smaller yeah. card pool where those cards are less unexpected and more played around. And I'm not saying, you know, the... the I don't know the name of the card, but that fork, like, the, the, the card that... Soul Tide Splashing for isn't yeah, Sharon, yep. yeah, it's not unexpected at this point, but no, it's it, not. But still, yeah. those kinds of cards that just win the game, win the game by themselves if unanswered. Mm -hmm. Like you just get so much equity by just having stuff like that in your deck. Not only just because when you, like the games where they actually do that thing, but just how it makes your opponent have to play, how it makes them have to sideboard. Yeah, um, stuff like that. Like, there, there's just so much value in, like, I don't know. I've I've just always been a huge proponent of that stuff in Legacy and Modern. 
playing the blood yeah. moons, oh, yeah, playing yeah. the whatever. Like you're, I, you're, I'm always on that stuff. You're, yeah, yeah, I learned uh, back in oh, the day. Sorry, we're real quick. Just talking about that for Brian. Back mm. in the day, like when I was hyper tuned to older formats, specifically Legacy. Um, like you know those tests where it's like blindfold yourself and sip like four sodas and tell me which one is what. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, I could do that with Miracle, uh, Miracle Decklist from Legacy. It's like tell me which one's Brian's, and I could always pick it. You know, I, I would have always been able to pick it because it just has like two or three more fuck you cards every yeah. single time. I always learned that, or I think one of the biggest lessons I learned from you at uh, London when you top aided with Modern was just the sideboard choices you made in that deck. And I was just thinking, like, God, this this sideboard does seem really weird. And then you just shit on people that weekend uh, and make the top eight. So. Yeah, I think that is an important lesson. Just play the cards that have high impact. Yeah. yeah. You sometimes need to play a few cards that are balanced so that you can appropriately get all your bad cards out of every matchup. And it depends on what your deck yeah. is, too. Like, yes. if your deck is not able to capitalize on the fuck you card or is supposed to mm -hmm. play a balanced game plan that adjusts like that, then maybe you don't want those cards. But for a lot of decks, like, where you know like and and especially a lot of formats where a format becomes more linear you that's where you want to play more and more fuck you cards the more linear the format is so totally agree so um getting back to this list bro i want to ask you about two decks here uh first one being rakdos arcanist like this was what you guys were afraid of from the sultai side um you know for the mythic imitational why why do we think that's a this is a bad deck now um, well, I thought when it was, a, when it was good it, against them. Well, I thought it was a bad deck then as well, and it actually didn't perform. Mm -hmm. I mean, it performed well in the hands of some very good players, and one in particular did really well with it, but then the next time around it wasn't good, and it hasn't been good since then. So people still mm -hmm. play it here and there. It's one of the decks that are in the top 10 most played decks usually. Um, okay. But I just think it's an underpowered strategy in the format. Yeah, and I don't play against it at all, basically, on the ladder, just because I think people are trying out the new toys right now instead of going back to, you know, crappy Rakdos. But. I just think sometimes you'll have an open, you'll, you'll have, the top 10 cards of your deck are just non-functional. Mm. Like, you just, yeah. you just have, like, you know, a, a, you know, like, claims, but no way to sack, or you have too many of, like, the sack a creature, draw two cards, but no creatures, or a creature you don't want to sacrifice, yeah. and... And, and, you know, if you brick on your citrus supplier and you don't have anything to utilize it, then you just played a one, one for one and the game's only going to last three or four turns before something bad happens to you. And, you know, getting your engines revving in that deck isn't great. It, it can mulligan well, but sometimes also poorly. So it's, yeah. it's just not a deck that I like. I played Colos Rab for a while because it's actually fun, but mm -hmm. that's another deck that's very good against mid range and, and even like aura strategies and stuff, but uh, it has its own problems. Mm -hmm. um it that, gets beat that down was gonna be badly. the second deck i uh was gonna ask you about believe it or not <laughs> that deck is fun and it plays a bunch of cards <laughs> and Ugans, and it has this ramp strategy and I, I i thoroughly enjoyed playing with it but for the most part it's a little if they if they have interaction for you like it's really hard mm -hmm. to to stay up like so like i said like it's good against the bitter range decks because they don't punish you and you usually can resolve your stuff like because you know there's not a lot of counter magic for your spells, their fatal pushes are dead. Most of their removal is bad against you. So game ones against their cards are really pretty easy. hard to pressure as well. 
Yeah, and and you know yeah. you can hit things that are really good, and the ramp side of your deck is so much better than theirs. So they really have to like mm-hmm. ramp out a Nissa and interact with you, which they mostly don't have the ability to do both. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, and, and so, honestly, that's all they do against mid range, uh, especially. I mean, Sultai being the or four color mid range, I should say, being like the main mid range thing is do they just Karn for a Spyglass, so they can't Nissa attack your Karn, and you feel like hopeless, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, so yeah. so getting to the next part of my list, it's decks people should respect but won't. And I I, I, I have a theme here. It's Azori's <laughs> Gift and Mono Black Gift. Now, I think, I don't know which one's better. I haven't been playing them enough to tell which one's better, but I do think that we're getting to a very mid-rangey metagame. And mm-hmm. uh, the tools people are fighting with each other these decks sidestep, right? There's not a lot of scavenging oozes. There's only cages. No, no, contr- not a lot of control decks to play a bunch of counter spells. Um, yeah. And, and it's, you know, combat in these decks, you know, uh, work out pretty well. There's not a lot of decks that can deal with the creatures you're gifting back, um, especially from Azorius. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of decks that don't put pressure that, you know, you're going to keep getting value out of your, your God's Pharaoh gift. So I have found these decks to actually be particularly decent in this metagame. That's crazy because Speaking I think Azorius Gift. I think Azorius Gift is a heinous deck. I played it a good chunk, and that deck just loses to itself way more often than Rakdos Arcanist does. I feel like you just don't have a couple gifts uh, on top, or you can't find a refurbish, which you know definitely happens. I feel like the deck is just so close to unplayable. But Mono Black, I do think, is is still a very strong deck. The versions that I've seen with Azuri Skip that also play a few um, of the three meta artifacts, uh, I think you should play a few of those for consistency, actually. Gate to the Afterlife. Three meta artifacts. Yeah, Gate oh, to the Afterlife, okay. yeah. No, that, that makes sense. I mean, I just saw the list that uh, top-aided the SCG thing, and I ran that um, through a couple, a couple matches and stuff and was thoroughly unimpressed. But... I mean, small sample yeah, size. Exactly. And I mean, gate seems to help that problem for sure. One thing I'm interested on is we don't have Neoform on this list. Where do, where do we yeah, put we, that? We can, because not enough people really play it. Yeah. It seems like one of those decks, though, that uh, a pro team could submit and catch people off guard because, I mean, it is a deck that can kill on turn three. That That's something you can't overlook, you know? Yeah, I mean, I played with this deck, and I tr- I keep coming back to it. And I'm trying to find versions. It's just so inconsistent, and it, and mm-hmm. it has a really tough time with Cage. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. You just you're just supposed to abrade him. You're just supposed to have four abrades or something to be able to answer it. That does yeah, not seem great. It's just I, I've just had trouble finding the consistency approach to that deck and the ways to build it. Like I think the Wall version, Wall Blossom version, is the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have like Anger of the Gods. You have some like it's good against some creature matchups. But um, yeah. I just I play with it and I just can't find the fucking combo. <laughs> like I just, <laughs> I just keep spinning my wheels and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, a, a, a cage comes down and then I'm dead, dead in the water. Yeah, usually teamer based combo decks are usually pretty strong, you know, just by design because you get to play Uro as a good plan B. But this is just does not fit that mold in any way. Yeah, I don't know if you have any experience with the stack, Brian. No, I don't. But just, just it doesn't look like the kind of deck that would be good. And and like mm-hmm. even just things like having a, uh, like I, I mean, 
I might this might be ignorant speaking here, but like if the sacrifice deck just has a mayhem devil and an active oven, like you can't combo, right? You have to find a way to interact with that first. And like, I, I don't know, it doesn't seem like a kind of deck that I would be interested in playing myself. Also, the no. combo gets broken up by an aether gust. Like you play a fatal push or or fatal push. Even if, but even if they have two creatures on the board, it gets it gets interacted with by an aether gust. And if you don't have another way to turn it back on, then then you know you you put the neoform back on top, but you can't combo off again, and you get a creature mm-hmm. out of the deal. But whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then it's just neoform how it's supposed to be played. Just upgrading one creature, and that ain't it. Yeah. That exactly, ain't it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I I I don't think that deck's real, but it does have the chance. You know, just to explode if people really figured it out. But the way it's designed now, it seems quite heinous to me. So yeah. I'm glad you shared that opinion as well. Also, also excuse that uh, one, you can Aether Gust it with the trigger, uh, the copy trigger on the stack, and um, then it'll get shuffled away anyway. So yeah, like mm. you, you can even force their hand on that. Um, but the old yeah. Chandra trick now too that I've been seeing a lot more is mm-hmm. gusting it with that ability. That feels so mean. Yeah. Oh, it's brutal. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then yeah so now we come to what i'd play in historic and my choice is four color mid-range i'm actually about to after this podcast talk to andrea mangucci about the strategy uh we're we're, ta- mm-hmm. we're both liking it so we're gonna talk Our, he showed me his list i have yet to show him mine because it was since the pot we were just starting the podcast but our lists are actually very fucking similar like we're down to Andre- like or Andrea sends you his list, and then all he sees for the rest of the it's just seen Brad Nelson. <laughs> no response, just seen. Yeah. <laughs> when you when you test with them, make sure to ask how he likes our twenty one minute intro instead of a twenty three minute intro. We cut those two minutes off for him. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was for him. So yeah, I hated it. I had a lot more to say. Sam. But, you know, um, as far as what I would play. Um, I, I've been playing a lot of historic to get ready for this event as well for casting it. And I have no reason to not play four color mid range as well. It just seems like it's doing so well. I think at this point, it just becomes a case of tech out for the mirror. Make sure you have a good gen sacrifice matchup. And like, that's, that's the big things that I would be looking for, uh, moving forward into this and just, it seems hard to go wrong with, with that deck. Yeah. And, and my favorite thing about this deck is the only real way for anyone to exploit the deck is to play the strategy that it doesn't have the interaction for, but it's really hard to attack it. Um, and also have a good deck against the rest of the field. Agreed. I think Narset is a prime example of that, where I think it's a card that is phenomenal against Sultai slash four color mid range and just shuts it down. But then it just has so many matchups where it is a liability and you have to take it out, you know, or you have to have them in the sideboard, which makes it, which makes it worse. But yeah, totally agree. Yeah. I mean, also Narset's good against the deck, but you're still a deck that has Thoughtseize, uh, eliminates and mystic dispute negate Nissa, yeah. like if they go, if you play, you can't play Narset on the draw. You just go gross barrel Nissa, you, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. Narset can only be so good against a deck with Nissa yeah. where it, true. Yeah, just that's such a clean way to beat a Narset. Yeah, the, but you know, you you flip the coin there and you say, I can also Thoughtseize before I play Narset, um, you know, to help out with that stuff well, as well. But, but, but more, I think the way to attack a deck like this is is to not actually attack it. It's to play a deck that it doesn't have the tools to beat. 
Yeah. So like a gift deck, for example, or the Karn, these, these colorless decks, if they don't have, mm. if, 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 if the trend is that the mid range decks are attacking, you know, X sample of the metagame and there is a deck that can attack it and also compete with the rest of the metagame, then that's the, the clear winner here. Yeah. But, you know, so step one is I have to play a deck that is good against Thoughtseize and also the rest of the metagame. Yeah, mm. the problem with a lot of those deck is like your your uh combo deck has to be pretty good, uh pretty consistent and pretty fast to be able to beat um these decks like Goblins, Jun Sacrifice, um, yeah. and so forth, because those decks are also fast and they're very consistent at what they do. Mm-hmm. So you know, like for me, I'm always looking to play some sort of like I gift interests me a lot in this format. If a Marvel deck was good, that would interest me a lot um, mm-hmm. because I like playing uh, some sort of a combo deck. If, for a format like this, where I I just haven't put in the reps, I want to yeah. sidestep a lot of the stuff, and I want to play one of those kinds of decks that does a lot of sidestepping, and and that stuff appeals to me. But you know, you you have to be able to be consistent and fast enough to be able to beat one of these other decks. And like a lot of those combo E decks are pro are like just by nature, generally going to have a pretty good matchup against like a removal based mid range deck. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like in order to compete in a format, like you can't just be able to beat that deck. So what would you play? Dizzle? Um, you know what he'd play. <laughs> I, okay, it can't be a deck that is not on these lists. Okay, oh, it starts no, with it definitely can be. <laughs> oh, it can't be a deck that's not on the list. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm gonna play Kethis. Con- oh, I can't play that. Battle race. Now I, I don't actually know yet. Like Jun's sacrifice would be my fallback of you know good decks. Uh, yeah, you and Corvold are still close, right? Yeah, I I, I just. <laughs> It's a fun deck to play and it's very powerful. So yeah. that that my fallback would be John Sacrifice if I don't find anything else. But my goal is to hopefully be playing Marvel, Gift, or Kethis. So that that's where okay. I'm at. Yeah. Well, I, and honestly, I, I highly suggest that you don't work on the Marvel mm-hmm. decks. Um Julia Jawadi did build a deck that only had two of it, and it was a very small thing, but like those decks have been getting beat up and down the court. Well, to be fair, Brad, uh, are you the first uh, most growing streamer of November? Because if not, DVD has authority on this right here. Because that's he is right. The I second. still got I still got six days to go, son. <laughs> Respect my authority for six days. That, that is that is very convenient because we 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 have to register our decks on the 29th, so that that does that does fit this time frame. True. What? One last thing I do want to bring up, though, is looking at this Jun list, it looks awesome to me. Um, you know, it just has Chandra in the main and Corvald's in the main and Citadel's in the board. And wasn't Jun the um, the highest performing deck at the Mythic Invitational? Yes, but it was the it came... lowest performing deck at the Grand Finals. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, yeah I got shit on. Okay. Gotcha. I was just going to say, maybe if, you know, uh, history repeats itself, it seems like a good place to start. Well, but, we, yeah. we did. We just didn't have a build that beat Yasharn. We didn't know everyone was going to play Yasharn. And oh, that's this, right. Yeah, yeah. And this deck clearly has it right. You have Noxious Grass, Mills and Pulses, Chandra's. Mm-hmm. Um, you can you can compete with with the cards. So 
Um, yeah. This look, yeah, this list looks very clean. I like it. It doesn't play any of the cards. Oh, thank that you. I... This is this is my build. Oh, that's your oh. build. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, this is a yeah, yeah. This is nice. Yeah. I want to play this. Okay, I don't know. Like, it feels like it's missing a couple elements. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to say I mean, this, it, but the sideboard looks like a mess now <laughs> yeah. that we actually look at it. Yeah, that mana base too. Is that is that just normal basics? It's not any cosmetic upgrades. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan. No, but seriously, I, I think that's a very clean looking <laughs> list, and it doesn't play any yeah, cards I that I think are bad. So a plus on that. No, I think that I I would I would play something close to that if I uh, well since since we're saying this and people play. are like hey we don't have the deck list I am going to post all of these deck lists into the Bash Bros Discord uh, all of the pictures that we have Monday. we are looking at no no tomorrow um, oh okay okay and uh, you can take a look at all of the deck lists we have discussed this week on on the yep. episode there uh, they'll just be in a room called uh, episode deck lists. And I notice you deleted the picture of the Kethis deck that I posted. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Any reason why? <laughs> well, I like that you're giving these deck lists out uh, here tomorrow because that means I can play this deck over the weekend. That looks great. Yeah, here. In fact, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm probably just going to copy the show notes, make a Google Doc everyone can click on because transferring pictures over to Discord from uh, Google Docs is impossible. Is it? Yeah, I just I, you can't do it. It's literally impossible. If I highlight one hit copy and paste over uh over on discord it just doesn't work love that love that <laughs> technology well, should be a should be a fun couple of days for you guys though to uh get your decks deck list submitted my work begins after you get the deck list submitted because then i make sure i know what all these cards do so it's uh <laughs> i got a little bit of time where i get to chill and then i go hard to work on monday what you, oh, yeah, because you have to get ready for casting. Exactly, exactly. I got to make sure I know all of your lists and uh, how many Kethas BBD is playing and stuff like that. You know, the important stuff. That is very important. <laughs> very important. Well, I think we have a good grasp on uh, these formats. It should be interesting to see what's the most played decks. Uh, something that I'm sure we can dive into next week after you guys have already submitted yeah, for sure. Um, that'll be yeah. fun. But yeah, so that, that's it for this episode. Um, also, we'll make an announcement now, I guess. Um, I think we did it last week, but last weekend we did the Bash Bros Battles. It was a blast. It was a ton of fun. Um, Loved it. We are taking December off just because it's a busy month, plus a lot of weird weekends where there's other stuff going on. And we'll schedule mm -hmm. something for early January and try to, you know, figure out what we liked from the past three and see if there's anything that we can do to improve upon it. Um, mm -hmm. Besides asking Hepticon for more money. Of course. Yes, yes, yes. That's uh we can only go so far with uh, his generosity. That's for sure. And we can all have new year's resolutions for the start of our next tournament. Like me to not lose to Jason again for another year is going to be mine. Um, I, I thought resolutions yours, were but... supposed to be things that improved upon flaws. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. I'm just staying staying. St I'm just staying really stale if I just use that again as my resolution. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> all right. Well, my New Year's resolution is to not be sad all the fucking time. Uh, ain't that the well, truth? Uh, yeah, no kidding. 20, 2021, can we just start with like, you know, just like the greatest news ever? Just one good thing to happen. Yeah, like, what if I were the fastest growing streamer in January of 2021? <laughs> that would set the oh. year off right. 
Oh, baby, that would really, really strike my fancy. I agree. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's get to this. Uh, let's actually get to the cast and crew. Uh, cast and crew. To, to anyone that doesn't know what the cast and crew is, it is uh, our lovely supporters over at patreon.com slash podcast. Uh, at a certain tier, you get on the cast and crew and you become free labor. Actually paid labor, but you pay us. Um, yes. Yeah, yes, of course. You are part of the show. So without further ado, Corey, BFTG, kick us off. All right. First up, we got Richie, uh, one of our newer members here. And this is the Bash Bros accountant. Uh, keeps us accountable for all our really bad puns. That, I believe that, that is, is what that they do here, right? Well, yeah. well uh, what's funny is um, Richie's name was actually Pori. Until they became the bachelor's accountant, so I, I don't know what's going on. Also, we're broke, but Richie's <laughs> yeah. new yacht looks incredible. <laughs> yeah, said there was no connection to the funds with the Bash Bros podcast, and we just trusted him on that. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, we just got to work harder, boys. Yep. Hey, that's all right. Hey, all next right. time we next time we hire somebody like that, we got to look into it a little bit more. Nah, we don't do that. I mean, we we. We we follow by example, and David Watt doesn't look at anything, so we don't look at anything. So mm-hmm. ne- yeah, next time we make a hiring like that, we should probably put a little bit more research into it. Yeah. Oh, much like is there uh, any oh, place we could get that? research yeah. director? There it is. There it is. <laughs> Jesus. That transition I, was so good. Ooh, ooh, I am a, I am a slow one today. <laughs> uh yes opo is our research director uh you know we would like some of those analytics though opo um you know you wanted this job so uh i would we would love some feedback in in analytics uh if you could get that going in the discord that'd be great anyway we can improve the quality of everyone's experience here <laughs> be careful what you ask for brad yeah i was gonna say that that's probably a bad question to ask all right we got a WAPA. That is Brad's personal barista and personal dog walker. Doesn't make me coffee. Doesn't walk me, though. So dead to me. Mm. I don't know what else to say hey, there. Don't say yes, that. Sorry. <laughs> Who also, also shirts, search, uh, shirts went out for our uh, cast and crew that, that qualified for that. So hopefully we'll get. Oh, did we get them all out? Sweet. We didn't get all of them because some of the people didn't respond with their, their personal information. So. Nice. How, nice, dare, how yeah. dare they not divulge personal? Them, I just want to send them some shit, and uh, they won't get back to me. Yeah, that's uh, that's what they all say until you just got shit, st- you know, drop being dropped off at your front doorstep. Yeah, yeah lit on fire, <laughs> doorbell rung. <laughs> all right, next up is the person responsible for our entire show, and that is Adam. That is our ghost writer. Uh, Adam, every <coughs> single word you hear out of her mouth, even that cough from Brian Braun doing is completely written into the script. <laughs> so if you don't like what's being said, it's all Adam. True. I wish Adam would write out my horrible illnesses from uh, my horrible physical ailments from the script, but and also my life. But he has yet to do it. So too bad. It's it's like Stranger Than Fiction, but just way worse and more boring. Yes, it is. Yeah. All right. Next up, like I've already said, it's David Watt, who is our special guest screener. Uh, that is right. We have somebody on staff to make sure that our uh, special guests are up to snuff. And uh, 
I personally think David has been dropping the ball, but I don't know about y'all. I think he did yeah, a great, great job this week because I actually walked into the Bash Bros office. The door was wide open and I thought I could just walk in, but the screen door was there and I didn't see it. And I actually <laughs> ran right into it. So <laughs> David Jesus got Christ. you again with that screening, huh? Yeah, he he screened the shit out of me. So <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> All right. Next up, we Fine. have Gino Batista. So Gino was actually supposed to be the special guest this week. Mm. Um, but so last week he was actually involved in a prison riot. And God, uh, yeah, I know dark. So that's why he wasn't available last week, but we thought we get him in this week. Problem is, um, you know, that there, there was that riot last week, but he actually had through his faked illness, he had actually gained the trust and admiration of the prison infirmary staff. He was actually mm. able to avoid the riots in the infirmary where he then got access to some useful tools there that were necessary to actually kind of uh, break his way out of the prison. So he's actually in the process of breaking his way out of the prison. Uh, and he, the, the only reason we know this is he sent the message to us through Carrier Pigeon. So, mm. yeah. Wow, he said, well, that's he, exciting stuff. Yeah, he said, I mean, he could, said he couldn't make it this week. Optimistic for next week, though. Could you? Wow. Could, could, I wonder why they had to use a carry pigeon and not just use like one of the hacked one of the computers in the infirmary, but uh, you know, to each their own. Yeah, mm, that I, probably would have been easier. I don't know. The screenwriters are really overusing the carrier pigeon thing, and I don't also, know why. Also, but. I don't know when, <laughs> when, what kind of era this prison is in. Maybe early two thousands. Yes, but. You know, in the modern day, there's one thing that maybe has been overlooked by Gino is that yeah. um, there's a lot of contraband phones in prisons now. <laughs> yeah, Lots it's actually you can just use the phone. Yeah, you can yeah. just text people pretty easily in prison now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Gino does not know that, but doesn't matter on his Car- way out. So that's pretty cool. It is. Yeah. Next up, we got Paul Cat. Zorowski! And that is BBD's wall-staring photographer. Uh, the only person, I would say, in the cast and crew that does actual, legitimate, great work, Paul is just posting hilarious meme pictures of BBD staring at walls all the time, and it is just gold. What do you mean, meme pictures? That's my life. That you're mocking. Well, it's, it's still... Uh, next up <laughs> <laughs> alright next up is Max who is Corey's linguistic coach um, Corey how, 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 have, how have those big words been going for you better right yeah, yeah I mean Max is 100% unneeded anymore I have just been crushing it lately so kudos to Max what's the next set Corey it called ham. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or wait, it was cold ham. That's right. I learned this. Yeah. All right. Next up, we got Phil. Now, the cool thing about Phil is that he loves Diet Pepsi. And for mm. him, he doesn't enjoy drinking Diet Pepsi out of either a liter bottle or a two liter bottle. For him, it's all about the can. He loves cans of Diet Pepsi. And as somebody who also prefers the canned version because it tastes better, 
Phil and I have formed a bond in regards to our diet Pepsi usage. Brian, but what does he do for the, I mean, come on, man, for the last time, <laughs> you are supposed to know his job. We don't have any fucking clue what Phil does. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Next up, we got a new job, y'all. This is JP. Um, You know what? Just couldn't figure out what Phil did. So 100% gave up on it, as I'm sure BBD is about to as well. Um, so we've actually promoted JP to BBP general manager. Uh, so congrats on that promotion. Yeah. And now you got to do a lot more work though. Yeah. Uh, I hope you're ready to organize our show notes next week. And I'm being serious, JP. A lot more general (laughs) work instead of, JP, you're going to be the only person put to work like literally. And, Mm. and and the work starts next Monday. So, uh, you better respond to your emails. So does he manage our generals or is he a manager of general things? Well, have you heard of the general, like calling the general now? It's the car insurance company. Oh, I'm familiar with it. Yeah. Nothing to do with that. Gotcha. Okay. (laughs) Is it my turn? Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. All right, it next sure up, is. We've got Jason Florent, who is Corey's nemesis. And um I'm just gonna say it. Jason's pretty shit at his job. Doesn't doesn't really mm-hmm. put much work in. Usually a nemesis like really makes the person struggle before they're victorious. He needs but, to yeah, in fact, he's just throwing been... Jason a lot. He needs to in this fact, game he's just been generally nemesis. Yeah, he's been pretty generally nice to me as well. So, uh, you know, not not the best nemesis, not the worst nemesis, I, I guess I could say, that I've ever had. He's got to get a win against you. I, you know what, Jason? I'm rooting for you to get a win against Corey. I'll, I'll come <laughs> out and say it. I'm rooting for you to get on the board there so we can upgrade you to arch nemesis. That's, <laughs> that's the long-term goal here. Yeah, yeah. So we can we can get at the plateau and now the curve starts to come down. Is that what the arch joke or maybe did I look too deep into that? Yeah, you're going way too deep on that. Nice, nice. Just like his win percentage against me. (laughs) Way too deep. All right. Next up, we got Sultan Abbasi and that is our designated mana dork. It is Gilded Goose for this week in uh, lieu of Jump Sacrifice. You know what? I think, it's, yeah. I think it's Chandra Torch of Defiance. Mm, that's not Non-tradition- a mana Non-traditional, but powering out those bolus of citadels. What more, more decks had Gilded Boy. Goose in them than Chandra that we talked about, though. Okay, fine. Yeah, it's Gilded Brian. Goose again. Yeah. It's Gilded Goose yeah. again. It's also Thanksgiving. So <laughs> Gilded Goose has the uh, flavor win there, too. Yeah, let's throw it in the witch's oven and I'll have a turkey, okay? (laughs) Next up, we've got Eric Nall, who is uh, the lost trash of Uranus. Um, Mm. Mm. Not really a job title, more of a descriptor. And uh, (laughs) and, uh, I don't really even know how we know this because they're technically lost. So uh, carrier pigeon, carrier pigeon. That's just the answer to every. We need, you know what? That's the answer for 2021. There you go, Corey. Carrier, carrier pigeon. pigeons. That'll fix everything. <laughs> That's my resolution: is yeah. carrier pigeons. Don't ask questions. 
All right. We got Gear Melody, and that is our merch store manager. Don't ask me the difference between a general manager and a merch store manager, because I have no clue. But that's what Gear Melody does. And we just sent out some merch recently, so doing a good job as far as I can tell. Yep. Yeah, the big difference is usually generally the merch, but, you know, that's mm-hmm. neither here nor there. Anyways, uh, our next cast member is Patrick, and that is our office party coordinator with parties frowned upon and uh, not allowed right now. Uh, Patrick has been doing about the same amount of work as Phil, uh, but there will be a day when our party backlog will be fulfilled. So Patrick's doing the second most work in the company then? Correct, Bill is correct. very hardworking. He's very hardworking. I will, I will, I will just have to say, of all office jobs that would uh, would not survive twenty twenty, I would believe office party coordinator would be one of them. Title yeah, list. I think, I think marketing and office party coordinating is probably the two first jobs uh, to go there. Oh no, marketing is very important. Yeah, marketing is great. Yeah, marketing is super important. Um. Much like Philip Galenos, who is the Ass Bros podcast liaison. Brad's favorite role. (laughs) Brad loves tying his brand to Uranus's I want to take our podcast seriously. I want to take it seriously. I want us to level up. And and, and we are now in our mid-30s and we're making ass jokes. I want it to end. Damn it. Well, Bradley, we're going to have to clean it up from the back end, though, before we can really start moving on. I'm looking at the next person that Brad has on the list, and I'm already excited for it. All right. Yes. Next up, we got Loror, who is our CEO, the chief executive officer. He determines the route in which the Bash Bros podcast takes, and he has determined that we are going down the road of incredibly juvenile brand destroying <laughs> anus jokes. Uh, yeah. So that is unfortunately the ruling from on high. Yeah, so. Laura has decided to take the avenue of least resist ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and honestly, I'm so excited for the next one. Victor, executive producer, bro, you're up. <laughs> That's it? That's all Victor gets? All right. All right, Victor. You're wow. the bomb. Way we to do, love you. Way to do him dirty, Corey. That yeah, is... what the fuck, sorry, man? Sorry, sorry. You are our bro. You deuce. We bro-deuce. I, have we done the bro-deuce as an ass pun joke with that before? Because I, I think I, I just realized I don't, it. Yeah, I, I don't I think, think we I just, have. I think that's I think the I first just time, cracked yeah. new ground. That might be the number two ground. time we've done it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Definitely made a crack in that one. Last but certainly least. (laughs) Yes. It's Dr. (laughs) Hugs. Last and incredibly least. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Who is our resident proctologist? Yeah. Which is kind of true, Brian. We probably do need to go and get colonoscopies. We are at the. Yeah, you guys are old. Oh, God. Oh, man. Well, we know who to call. Yeah. Call the doctor. We know who to call our local doctor, not Dr. Is If I had to get, if this hypothetical is true, and I had to get a non-medical professional to give me a proctology exam, the last person I know would be Dr. Unks. 
<laughs> the, that mind is one I would never want to jump into. His well, he would, me. Me. he would want to jump into you. He would want to jump into you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, too too easy. Too oh, easy. Seriously, though, Doctor Unks, love you. Your your messages are fun and disturbing, and I wish they weren't in my brain anymore. Yeah, They're... disturbing, then fun, then disturbing again. <laughs> yeah. Actually, is how I would label it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much again, everyone in the cast and crew for supporting our podcast and keeping us running and paying our editor and all of that. If you would like to join our cast and crew and get your name and titles lazily mess. Uh, fuck. Butchered. 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 At the end of every episode, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash podcast. That's it for this week's show, though. Now it's time to go actually do some playtesting because tomorrow all I'm going to be doing is eating, drinking, and watching football. Happy, happy holidays, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye.